everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Droz. I'm the president and founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages of 14 through 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Uh, today, we got a great guest on uh, from the Gunnery School, Craig Badger, who uh, played hockey, college hockey at Wesleyan, uh, spent one year as, as an assistant uh, at Williams. Uh, has been at the Gunnery since 2005 and has been the head coach since 2015. Uh, Craig, thanks for coming on. How are, how are things going with uh, the world we're in right now? Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Colby. Um, things are things are going okay. Um, you know, as with everywhere, uh, things are are different. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know our school is remote right now um, and will be through to March, which. Um, you know, sadly means that, that we won't be having uh, a season here. Um, but, you know, I, I get I get the reasons why and, and certainly support the, the school's decision in, in doing so. So from my end, you know, my day-to-day hasn't changed much, um, but really focused on uh, focused on next year and, um, you know, putting the, the best product out there next year that we can. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um... I went to prep school. I know you've been at the gunnery for a long time. Like, maybe just talk about from your perspective. You know, um, I think prep school hockey is awesome. I think it's a great level. It's great for kids for their development to get to junior and college. But you know, it's been a mainstay. And some of these programs go back to like the early 1900s. Like, you know, there's always people that are fans. There's always doubters. There's always going to be that kind of stuff as far as uh, any level. But I mean, what do you think has kept prep school hockey uh, so competitive for such a long time? I think the the biggest piece of it is the overall product. To be honest, you know, I think that there are a lot of places out there where where you can find really good hockey. You know, whether it's a junior league or a AAA league, uh, there, you know, there are there are different options and opportunities for kids to play a good level of hockey. But there really isn't any other option out there that provides the, the total package that, you know, boarding schools are able to, you can come to a place like this, you can play world-class hockey, uh, you can get a, a world-class education. Um, you know, you get to meet kids from, from literally all over the world. Um, and, and no, no other opportunity really offers that. And I think once families, uh, you know, kind of dig through the, the fog out there and, and start to, to really look and um, see what schools like uh, Frederick Gunn and others offer. Uh, they, they really tend to, to catch on to the, the bigger picture of it and, and what we can offer their kid for the rest of their life. Um, you know, and, and if we weren't also offering the, the really high end hockey, um, you know, a lot of families still would, would choose other opportunities. Um, but you know the the, the tradition uh, certainly of prep hockey has, has certainly been around for a long time, and um, you know the the level I think honestly um, has actually gotten better uh, in recent years. Um, there have always been really good teams, and there have always been you know really really good players uh, in prep hockey. But I think the depth of it um, is better now than it's than it's ever been. At least uh, you know for as long as, as I've been involved in it. Yeah, and I think uh, I would agree with you on all fronts. I mean, it's just, I think people are getting more educated about the option. And obviously there's a school for everyone if they're looking at that route. Um, just to take a sidebar, 
obviously everyone knows your guys' school as the Gunnery, but recently um, you guys have changed your name to Frederick Gunn School, correct? Is, yes. Do you want to maybe elaborate on that a little bit just for people? Yeah, so um, this is my 16th year here. Uh, and honestly, since I've been here, uh, you know, a, a rebrand, a, a changing of the name has been something that the school has been at least internally considering. Um, you know, the name, the gunnery, you know, if you look into the actual meaning of it, it, it means the place of gun. Um, but most people don't know that. Most people, uh, you know, don't really know know what the gunnery means at all. And so whenever we're talking to prospective families uh, out there, you know, uh, hockey or not hockey, um, kind of the first question was always, well, what is the gunnery? And whenever you have to open up a conversation with a five minute explanation as to, uh, as to what you even are, um, it's not usually a, a great starting point. Um, and if you go back to, um, you know, again, as long as I've been here, all of our marketing materials and admissions materials will kind of have that subtext of the gunnery, Mr. Gunn's school. Um, and so, you know, the, the changing of the name uh, to the Frederick Gunn School is really uh, an attempt to, you know, kind of better explain who we are. Um, and going back to the school's founder, Frederick Gunn, uh, who, you know, really kind of lived an extraordinary life. Um, and, you know, kind of started this school on his own uh, in 1850, uh, which obviously was a very different world than, than today and um, really tried to, to create a, a truly uh, inclusive environment um, kind of for, for all people of, of all backgrounds. And um, we thought that honoring him um, with, the, with the name kind of directly uh, was, was something that would set us up you know, to, to move forward uh, as a school in a way that, uh, you know, kind of lives out his, his model of education. Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, great for people to know. And it's obviously, uh, especially in the world where everyone's always rebranding and finding new ways and new angles and new approaches and good ways to represent their schools or programs and whatnot. But I, I think too, just going now in more into Frederick Gunn School, I mean, obviously, I, I've been there. It's a nice school. You guys have the rink on campus. Maybe just talk a little bit about where it is. Um, you know, what what you guys actually have on campus. People sometimes I don't think realize how much is, is all in one place. Um, and then maybe just a little bit about the daily life. Yeah. So we so we're in Washington, Connecticut, which uh, is about um, you know if you're kind of looking at main markers, we're about an hour west of, of Hartford, uh, you know, we can get to the, the New York City airports in an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, so we're, we're, we're pretty centrally located, yet at the same time, uh, when you're here on campus, like, you know, it, it's a, it's in a really small town. Uh, it has a bit of a, a New England rural feel to it. Um, we sit on top of the hill that overlooks the Washington Depot, the, the little town, um, and we're surrounded by a a nature preserve called Steep Rock. Um, on campus, you know, we have you know all of the the modern amenities that that any school um, can offer. You know, the 310 students co-ed, so it's a small environment, but um, a, a pretty good sized footprint for a school of that size. We have our own rink right here on campus. We have um, a, a brand new fitness center on campus. Uh, we just opened last year. Uh, 
a $23 million arts and community center uh, with a, a 400 plus person um, modern theater slash auditorium in there. Uh, 10 dorms of, of ranging sizes, everything from the smallest 10 uh, to the largest dorm being uh, 48. And we offer, you know, really a, a, a full high-end widespread uh, school curriculum um, that, you know, is, is pretty, pretty loaded for a, a school of our size. Um, you know, the, the daily life of kids here is busy. Um, and certainly, you know, hockey players are um, no exception to that. And I honestly, I would say, ironically, the fall is uh, one of the busiest times on campus for our players. Uh, most of those guys get up early in the morning, six or 6.30 and, and head down to the weight room as a group um, and get their morning workout in before breakfast. And they head back up, grab something to eat and, and get off the class at 8, 8, 15 in the morning. Um, and they do their, do their academic day, which runs all the way till three. Um, and then they do their afternoon commitment, which, you know, this, the past couple of years, we've actually had a bunch of guys who, who play soccer. Um, some of them are, are really good at soccer. Uh, and you know, they're, they're key players on the varsity team. Uh, some of them, are really bad at soccer uh, and struggle at the JV level, uh, but a lot of guys are, are you know in between. They're athletic. They can they can um, compete and, and run around and be good teammates. Uh, when that when that's done at five five thirty, they'll grab some dinner and then three nights a week here on campus in the fall uh, they skate for an hour hour and a half. Uh, so they'll head down to the rink get their gear on, do a captain's practice before uh, heading back to the dorm for, for study hall, which runs from eight to 10 o'clock at night. So it's go, go, go. And um, you know, it, it's a, it's something though, it's a schedule though that allows them to, to accomplish everything they want to accomplish during their day and, and everything that they need to accomplish during their day as well. Yeah, I think touching on that, I mean, everything in one place. Um, a lot of kids say in hockey, I mean, we just talked about a kid, he's, they're driving, you know, uh, nine hours, they're driving practice one or two hours round trip, you know, each way. Like, you know, do you find a lot of kids come there and they actually start excelling even more because it's more efficient? There's there's uh, obviously structure and, you know, you're, you're putting more time into not only your hockey development, but development as a student. Yeah, I, I've... You know, I talk uh, obviously to prospective families uh, daily, um, and this certainly applies for those who are coming from kind of the, the non-traditional hockey markets uh, out west or or down south, um, where you know you we hear from families that you know they're traveling an hour and a half uh, just for practice, um, and they're doing that four nights a week. You know, forget about the you know, the, the weekend showcases, the flights that are involved and, and all of that. Uh, but even up here in the Northeast, you know, the, you know, even 30 minutes uh, to a rink um, four nights a week can be a lot. Um, and then again, add on those weekend showcases that the, even the two, three hour drive to your game, that's a lot. Um, and, and it adds up and, and it certainly takes away from kids' ability to, to, you know, really push themselves in the classroom to accomplish, uh, you know, their nightly work, um, to just be a kid and have, you know, a non-hockey social life. Um, you know, having everything here in one spot where 
it's a five minute walk to the rink. It's a, it's a five minute walk to the weight room. Um, you have a, a daily schedule that that's built around you being able to do all of those things. You know, the, the number of hours that kids get back in their week, um, is pretty special. If you ask me, you know, it, it really allows them to go back to, to focusing on their academics while not sacrificing on the hockey end and, um, being able to, to add more of a social life, uh, to their, to their, um, experience, uh, you know, last year, I just, I just told the family this, this morning, last year was our away heavy year, uh, in our season. And I think our guys missed combined for the entire season, about 45 or 50 minutes of class, uh, which is, which is, you know, this, this family in particular was saying that their kid misses, you know, 30 to 35 days of school a year. Oh. Yeah, it's a lot of school to miss. Uh, that, I, 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 yeah, I, I completely am on the same page when it comes to that stuff. I think getting more in, as we as we lead into more hockey specific. Obviously, this season is what it is, but maybe just give people an idea of, of your nineteen twenty season. You know, maybe some of the advancement you had on that team, how the team did, um, and obviously, you know, uh, it kind of culminated too with having a player selected in the NHL draft. Yeah, so um, you know, we honestly we had a. We had an up and down year uh, in 1920. We had a very, very talented team. Um, you know, I think we ended up with four forwards who put up um, over 45 points each. Um, you know, so we we had some some ability to to run and gun and put up some some big offensive numbers. Uh, you know, we struggled a little bit on the, on the defensive side of things, though. Um, and there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, we had two uh, senior captain defensemen um, who were supposed to be returning, who uh, in August decided to go play junior hockey, uh, which obviously, you know, leaves a, leaves a bit of a hole. Um, and we were able to, re to replace those guys in terms of uh, spots in the roster, but, you know, you can't really – fully replaced what those guys uh, would have brought to the team and, and um, in the program. But we forged ahead, obviously, and um, we had some some great wins and, and sometimes where we really showed our ability, uh, but we were inconsistent. Um, and you know, I think we, we struggled to really forge a, a truly cohesive group um, in the locker room and on the ice and days where we, where we where we did truly come together and, and play as a team, we were, we were dynamite. You know, we could, we could be anybody. Um, sometimes we got in our own way though, and uh, didn't show up and play the way that we would have liked to. And, um, and that showed for us the opposite way uh, on the scoreboard. Um, so we had, we had some injuries as well, uh, you know, especially on the back end where, I think at one point we went through a three game stretch in January where we had two actual defensemen in the lineup. Um, and we had to, to make do with, with moving some, some forwards back there, um, which those guys did well and they performed admir admirably, but uh, you know, it, it's not the same. Um, and so, you know, much of the year we, we fought ourselves to be honest um, at the end of the year, we, we qualified for the, you know, the small school tournament, um, which, you know, if you were to have asked the guys uh, months before, that's not where uh, they would have wanted to be. You know, they were shooting for that LB8 tournament. 
Um, but they came together and you know, we, we played really, really well uh, in that tournament and we were able to, to win the whole thing in the end, which was, which was um, you know, a, a, a good ending to, to the season. Um, and had a bunch of guys move on, obviously. Um, you know, Senior-wise, uh, we have Dean Dowiak, who's out in Cranbrook um, right now, and obviously they're not, not doing much right now, but they're hopeful to get that season going. Um, Mark D'Agostino, who's doing really, really well with uh, Danbury in, in the Null. Um, Dave Andrachuk, who's out in Lone Star in the Null. And uh, Alex Jeffries, obviously, who ended up being – uh, drafted by the Islanders in the fourth round um, and is up at Merrimack uh, as a natural freshman uh, off to off to a good start. Um, I think he had five points in their in their first four games and then uh, was held held off the score sheet this weekend by Northeastern, but uh, but is doing really, really well for them. Yeah, and I think all, I think all those guys you mentioned are committed as well, right? Uh, Doliad yep. and uh, Dagestino, UConn and whatnot. Um, Maybe, maybe touch on, too, obviously, you know, the hockey piece, sometimes people say there's all this stigma about, um, you know, you're not going to develop a shorter season, not playing enough games, that kind of thing. Again, your perspective on that to, to rebuttal. I mean, maybe touch on – you touch on straight and conditioning, you guys having a brand new gym. Um, but, you know, are you guys doing individual skills? Obviously, you guys have captain skate before the season. We'll get into split season later. But are you guys, you know, video sessions, things like that? I think obviously I'm sure you guys are doing that stuff, but just just so people can hear what kind of schedule or hockey development program you guys are running there. Yeah, so I, you know, um, obviously that is something that, that people use as a way to try to convince families that uh, that prep isn't the right route for their kid. Um, you know, but it, but it is something that is very easily rebutted um, just by simply looking at it you know, just the basic facts of it, you know, forget about getting into um, video sessions and things like that. And just the, the amount of ice time uh, that kids get in a place like, like ours um, really is oftentimes more than what they're getting um, at home or in, the, in the AAA world or wherever they're coming from. Um, and that, you know, obviously they play the split season stuff uh, in the summer, end of summer into the fall. Um, and then, you know, Starting October one, uh, the rink opens up here, and they're on the ice at least three days a week here. Um, so that puts them just in the fall before our season as being on the ice a minimum of five days a week. Uh, and jumping into our season, they're on the ice a minimum six days a week. Uh, our practices are are ninety minutes, um, and we play thirty five games, which is the most you're allowed to play in prep. So ultimately, from you know middle to the end of August uh, up through March, guys are on the ice five or six days a week. Uh, you combine our 35 games with the 30 or so that they're playing um, in the fall with their split teams. And, and you're looking at kids really getting 60 to 65 games throughout the year. Um, and you know what I think is, is key is I tell families all the time, regardless of that, the, as you get older, the, the quantity of games matters significantly less than the quality. Um, you know, what kids encounter in, in this environment is an urgency, an everyday urgency down at the rink uh, that they haven't experienced before. And, you know, we're, we're trying to, 
prepare them to move on to the college world where you know, division one colleges are playing what 42 games. Um, so they're not, yeah. So they're not, you know, we're not prepping them for a, a 75, 80 game season. We're prepping them for, for a 40 game season where every game really, really, really matters. You know, a couple of bad losses in prep or, or in college, you know, can really, can really impact your season. Um, and so, you know, that we're, when you play a lot of games, games matter less uh, than they do when, when you play fewer. And, and we're trying to instill that in our kids. We're trying to instill that, that urgency that every practice, every game, uh, you, need to, you need to bring your best um, or else you're, you're hurting yourself and, and you're hurting the team. Um, you know, when you then combine that with, um, you know, the facilities that we have, the, the fitness center that we have, the, um, the athletic trainers, um, we, we use Huddle um, for our video program, uh, which gives kids access to it on their own as well. Um, and we do, you know, we kind of guide them through things to, to be looking at. Um, and, and, you know, then the, you know, the academic offerings as well. You know, I think that um, to me, uh, no other, no, it's hard to argue against, um, against prep. You know, obviously I think, financially, um, you know, is kind of a touch point for some families. Um, but the, the traditional arguments that uh, others try to use against us, to me, you know, really don't hold uh, hold much weight. Sure, Sherry, I, I, I do your point on, um, you know, every game matters. I mean, you guys, especially with how strong your schedule is, I mean, you're, every game you're playing, you know, whether it's Brunswick or Avon or whoever, um, I don't think people realize like how good it actually is some of the games and maybe you could like again your perspective on you know I think last year I think I read somewhere and I didn't go through every roster but I think it was roughly 95 kids committed to division one and obviously a majority of those are spread throughout probably the top 30 programs I would say you know maybe maybe even less um, but you know also then work is draft in the NHL I mean again you guys play in, in the Christmas tournament at uh, you know Avon Old Farms I mean even even just the exposure itself. Maybe you could touch on how like you guys can play, you know, uh, uh, an opponent and there's possibly 10 individual players on the ice. You know what I mean? And NHL prospects and, and the exposure to that. Yeah. So, you know, I think when I, when I first started uh, 16 years ago, um, honestly, there, there were some programs that, that weren't very good. Um, you know, there, there were teams uh, that, you know, quite regularly, uh, you know, were losing by, by nine, 10 goals. Um, and, you know, and that was kind of every game. Um, that, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, the, the top to bottom, the depth of New England prep right now is, um, is better than it's ever been. It's every game is competitive, you know, uh, teams that have really, really, really come on over the past few years. And it's kind of out here in the West, the Millbrook, um, is really grown as a program. They're very talented the last few years. Loomis um, over the last, you know, seven, eight years has really uh, grown into a top tier program, uh, bringing in tons of talent uh, every single year. And, and, and there, there are others across the board that you could say the same about. Uh, and so, well, yeah, you know, the, those, um, those 95 committed kids, yeah, you, you know, the bulk of those are going to come from, you know, 25, 30 programs. But, um, 
even that is a, a bit deceiving in that, you know, the, the number of kids that are, are going to top division three schools um, from here, uh, you know, the kids that are the uncommitted kids that are, that are jumping out into the junior hockey world. Um, and, you know, suddenly a year or two later, you, you see them, you know, pop up on the radar as top kids in those leagues. Um, you know, that's a, that's a common thing and, and shows the, the depth of talent um, that teams out here are, are producing. Um, you know, I tell, I tell families all the time that I will never, ever promise any family that their kid is going to come here and get division one offers um, or, or be a division one college hockey player. What I tell them is that we're going to provide them with the exposure to do so. Uh, and, you know, when we go up to the, uh, the Berkshire Jamboree, um, the Monday after Thanksgiving, and then the Exeter showcase, uh, the first weekend in December, then the, the Avon Christmas tournament, you know, by the time we get to, uh, Christmas break, our guys will have been seen by pretty much every NCAA division one, division three school in the Northeast, um, as well as pretty much every single junior hockey scout in the Northeast, um, you know, and last year we were fortunate enough to, to play in the true prep showcase at Merrimack, uh, which was the first year that, that, uh, it existed. And, and we're looking to, um, kind of build off of that next year and maybe do some, a couple other things with that group. Um, but we played St. Andrews and, and unfortunately we did not play well. It was one of the, you know, one of the worst performances we had all year, but, um, there were 32, there were scouts from all 32 NHL teams there at that game. Um, and, you know, that's not something that um, a lot of places can, can say that, that they offer. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to, to how you play in those moments. You know, you've got you've to perform at your best in front of those scouts to, to get noticed for sure. Um, but you're going to be seen by quite literally everybody in the Northeast. And, um, and then look at the, you know, the, the college hockey rosters out there. We've got guys ourselves now at Colorado College, Air Force, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, um, and you know, Michigan has prep kids on their roster. They've got prep kids committed. Um, you know, even, even North Dakota will have two prep guys on their, on their roster next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think. You, you, I think the good, the great point you made was even the kids that leave prep uncommitted, you know, they, like you said, they pop up in the BCHL or even the USHL, the NHL, whatever, and they end up making it. Obviously, you know, Division One, but even some of them just go on and play in top NESCAC schools and stuff. Yep. Which also, a great option. Um, I think too, like the, people don't realize, they, never mind all the events you mentioned, and then just even the regular games you guys play, like at two o'clock on a Wednesday, like. Sometimes there's I, I've been to games and there's four or five Division one schools you know just that show up because it's after practice. Um, yeah, and that's you know we're 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 not in a um, a league per se. You know, league is a little bit of a um, misleading word. I and mean, there's really only one league. It's it's NEPSHA. It's more perhaps sure. like the association. Um, but we're not in any of those historical affiliations, which allows us to to build our own schedule. Um, and we try to build as competitive of a schedule as we possibly can. And, and it's for that reason. You know, if, if Frederick Gunn is, is playing Salisbury or Avon or Loomis or, or whoever, um, and, and they have the opportunity to, 
to come watch in one game, seven, eight, 10 guys uh, that they're looking at. Well, they're going to do that as opposed to, um, you know, going off to try to watch one kid in a one-off somewhere else, uh, you know, college, college coaches and scouts, they want to use their time um, as effectively as they can. And, and um, you know, watching as many kids as possible is something that they, that they want to do. Um, you know, it, the, the downside in, in some ways for that is that, you know, in the end of, of your 35 game season, had, had you not played as competitive of a schedule as you did, you know, maybe you could have a, a little bit better record. Um, but your guys certainly will not have gotten the exposure uh, that, that you want them to. And they won't, they won't have developed in the same way as they, as they do when they have to play teams that, that are as good, uh, if not better than they are. Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree with that. I've written, yeah, obviously, I think the colleges too, they want to see kids go out in games where it's three, two, four, two, whatever competitive and, and not them uh, having seven points in a, you know, nine, two game. Right. But um, I think the other part to, I think to bring it full circle with, you know, how, you know, obviously you guys have always had very talented players. Um, sometimes guys that are well-known or guys off the beaten path. Um, and I think there's always kids out there that maybe you don't even know about that want an opportunity. I mean, what, what is your guys' recruiting philosophy? I know you, you have another job at the school and you can touch on that. Yep. But maybe, you know, talk about how you guys are getting guys, what types of guys are you looking for, and, and maybe how people get on the radar. Yeah, so we um, – so, so myself, I started here uh, as a history teacher. Um, I moved into the – the Dean of Students office uh, for nine years. Uh, and then this year moved out of that into uh, admissions and, and college counseling um, for a variety of reasons. And, and part of which, you know, it allows me to streamline my day a little bit more. Uh, it's already doing admissions on the hockey recruiting end and also college counseling with my own guys and helping them move on. Um, so it helps, you know, streamline my life a bit from that end. Um, you know, we get guys from, from everywhere though. You know, I think um, we've done a good job at times of, of finding kids who are off the radar, uh, combining them with kids who are on the radar uh, to put together the, the rosters that we have. Um, but we, we're a small school. Again, we're 310 kids co-ed. Uh, first and foremost, we're trying to find kids who are good fits here. Um, you know, we're, we're not a we're not a hockey factory per se, you know, we need to bring in kids who are, who are gonna fit into the community, um, be good members of the community and, and represent us well off the ice. And um, we do our best uh, to do that while, while trying to field the, the best team that we can. Um, you know, we've gotten kids from everywhere from Latvia to Sweden to Alaska to Texas. And, and obviously a lot of kids here, here from the Northeast. Um, we work with guys like yourself, uh, as well as, you know, going out and, and watching kids live. And, um, you know, we also were fortunate enough that a lot of people also reach out directly to us. Um, but we want kids, uh, you know, who, who are going to buy in, who are going to compete, um, who are going to, uh, you know, really play hard every single day that, that they can. Um, and we, we've, been able to find some of those kids off the radar. Uh, you know, the best example I have of that is uh, kid Mark Gatcomb, who is currently uh, a junior at UConn. Um, you know, we we lost a kid over the summer um, and, and had an opening, and 
I had heard about Mark. Uh, he was up at Woburn High School in Mass. Um, you know, really completely off the radar. Uh, a kid who, you know, was never was never considered you know among that top group in in the state. Um, but he had done pretty well at Woburn, and um, you know, big bigger kid, really good baseball player, very athletic. Uh, and we had the spot open, and we we're like, you know what? Let's just let's take a shot at him. Um, and, you know, year one, maybe he's a good third line type of kid. And, and by his senior year, we can help develop him into, you know, a, a top line guy. Uh, well, Mark showed up and scored 25 goals as a junior, um, which, you know, caught, caught everybody uh, off guard and, um, you know, had already been working hard and, and over his two years from us really, really became an elite level player. And, uh, left here and went directly into UConn. Uh, didn't play any junior hockey and uh, has, has really developed into one of their their top guys. Um, and you know that's why we cast a wide net because in today's world with social media and the internet and all of that, like everybody knows who the top guys are. Uh, and you know you can't get into a dogfight with other schools and other programs over every single kid. Uh, you know you've got to you've got to spread that wide net and, um, you know, try to capture as many of those off the radar kids as you can, because, um, you know, you, you often strike gold and, uh, but more importantly, those are also kids who, when they do come, it's because they really want to be, you know, that they want to be a part of the community. They want to be a part of the program. And, and um, those are the kids that you get more out of in the end, to be honest. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. I think I was going to bring up that last point of you need kids that want to be there. And uh, prep school is a big, it's it's more than just hockey. And you've alluded to that as far as the daily life and the school and obviously being a part of the community. And, and obviously hockey is a big part of being there. That's why a lot of kids are, are going to go there. But there's just so much more to it. And um, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us a lot of information about Frederick Gunn. I, I think, too, just... If, if there's anything like just to kind of bring this full circle and, and close down this podcast, uh, as far as, you know, I know I'm sure you can list a hundred things, but maybe something or one or two things that you think differentiates Frederick Gunn from some other schools. Again, not saying other schools aren't great, just maybe what makes you guys a little different. And, and obviously if people want to get in touch with you, maybe how, how can they do that? Yep. Yeah. So uh, every family that comes through, I actually encourage them to look at other schools. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, the New England prep world in general, uh, and I think that, that every school is, is great and presents great opportunities for kids, uh, but we're all different. Um, you know, obviously there's differences between large schools and small schools and uh, all boys schools and co-ed schools. Uh, those are kind of the obvious differences, but, you know, even if you look at other schools, um, you know, that are similar in size to us. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna find a different feel, um, and families and kids uh, tend to know kind of right away, right when they step on campus, whether or not a school is gonna be a good fit for them, and they usually can't articulate why. It's just a feeling that they get, um, and and that feeling is is really important. Uh, a lot of families get that feeling here at Frederick Gunn. Some families don't, uh, and, and those families, you know, ultimately should pursue the schools uh, where they do get that feeling, um, because when you have that feeling, uh, you know, it makes you really want to be there, and when you really want to be at a place, uh, you're able to, um, you know, 
put your all into it. You're able to, to get everything out of it uh, that you that you should be able to get out of it. Uh, some of the things that I think, you know, help families get that feel here um, is that is that truly small school experience. Um, you know, we have a, a great, very New Englandy campus, uh, you know, especially when there's snow on the ground or, you know, at the peak foliage season in the fall is as beautiful as, as any place you're going to find anywhere. Um, but, you know, families walk on campus and, and go on tour in the, in the pre-COVID world where, you know, our student body is out and about and they, they find, you know, a really friendly place. Um, you know, our kids will, will say hi. They'll look you in the eye. They'll say hi to families that are out on tour. Um, our faculty members will will stop class um, and engage uh, with a family uh, that's out on tour. Um, and, and that's not, that stuff isn't for show. Um, it's just kind of kind of who we are and it's what families and students should expect, uh, you know, when they matriculate to a place like us, um, you know, and, and there aren't a ton of small schools out there uh, that offer, um, you know, the, the elite level hockey experience that we do. Uh, there are some uh, for sure, uh, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the other kind of elite and programs are single sex or uh, they're a bit larger uh, than we are. Um, and and we, we take pride in being one of the, one of the few uh, smaller schools that are able to compete at that level. Um, and it, it's something that we, we hope to, to keep being able to do though, um, you know, with, with other schools working hard as well, it becomes harder and harder every year. So every year that we that we're able to find success, we're we're thankful for. Um, you know, for people who who are interested um, and, and want to uh, to reach out, email is the easiest way to to get a hold of me. Um, and my email is, is right on the website, but uh, it, it's simple. It's Badger, B A D G E R C at frederickgun.org and, and frederick is spelled f-r-e-d-e-r-i-c-k uh, gun g-u-n-n really appreciate it craig uh, for you coming on today and hopefully um we'll see you back in the ring during next season hopefully sooner rather than later i appreciate you having me colby take care you too thanks mm -hmm.